Thanks for joining us for this week's message here at NAPNAS. We're glad you could tune in with us. We pray that as you listen, you walk away from this podcast encouraged, inspired, and uplifted by the power of God and His Word. Great to see you today. You know, in a pre-COVID world, uh, we had planned uh, out the, the first half of the year. and the summer, we traditionally preached through either a book of the Bible. Uh, we've preached through like the I Am Statements of Jesus before and, during the summer. Um, we're going to preach through Psalm 103. Um, just happens to be my favorite psalm. And uh, we're going to talk about living in the goodness of God. Uh, and we still might start that in July. But just feeling, uh, you know, the prompting of the Holy Spirit to spend a, a month just kind of engaging and interacting with what we need to be thinking and our mindset being shaped by the Word in all that's going on right now. Um, if you haven't noticed, um, a lot of you are wanting a reset on 2020, right? Can we just go back to January 1st and start over? Uh, because this world has quite literally in three months became a really... It's always been a crazy place, right? It's being more and more apparent um, as we deal with things like COVID, as we turn on the TV every day, every night, and watch as thousands of people across our country uh, are engaging in uh, protests. And what do I make of that? What am I supposed to think as a Christ follower? Where do I land and so we're going to take a month and we're going to talk about uh, some of these things. Uh, we're going to talk about um, how do I navigate through people that I worship with, I'm in fellowship with, I'm in community with, who think differently about COVID. How do I understand this whole racial issue that is in our country right now? I said inadvertently <laughs> on uh in first service, I said, you know, there's, there's, there's like these two, you know, or these different positions on racism, which I shouldn't have said that because there's really, as a Christian, there's only one position, right? But we want to talk about that. And this is what I want to introduce this series with. And you know how I do this. The first week, I always, I always, I'll just give you a little insight into how I approach things. Uh, if I'm going to preach um, on a biblical topic, uh, I believe the best interpreter of Scripture is Scripture itself. Okay? Scripture interprets Scripture. So if we're going to flesh out, hey, what, what do I need to see from the Word? Um, we're going to start with a baseline, like for me, always like a, a really central part of a, a part of Scripture that's, uh, where a, a theme is, is given. Right? And, and then supplement it and come along and say, hey, this is what, in this instance, this is what Jesus was praying, was living out, was hoping for. And then you see that actually his Holy Spirit continues that theme as he inspires a writer to write about this. And so it's another way to come back around and learn about and understand and then apply through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit into my life what I'm supposed to do with this, how I'm supposed to live with this. And so... I want, to let, I want to start with the, just this scripture right here. 
Uh, it's uh, John 16, 33. If you remember John 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, I mean, I've been living there for a while as I realized these are the things that Jesus was talking about before he's headed to Gethsemane and the cross. I mean, just really unburdening and unpacking what is near and dear to his heart, right? Um, it's like last things, like really, I've said a lot of things, I've done a lot of things, they've all been signs and wonders that have pointed to who I am. My teaching has consistently uh, revealed to you this new kingdom, this new reality that God has always intended and purpose before the foundation of the world, that his people would look like this. And this is, I am the manifestation of this. I am the picture of this. And you've learned and you've seen what this looks like. And you've, you've seen how I've lived. And this is what God always intended for us to live. But these things are really central to how that goes apart, comes, comes about. And John chapter 16, he talks about this. He says this, he finishes, and he didn't say John chapter 16, right? And now closing John chapter 16. He's just talking, right? But this is how we have separated it out. He said, I've told you these things so that in me you might have peace. Great. Love it. In this world, you will have trouble. Uh, in this world, you might have trouble. You maybe could have trouble. You maybe could avoid trouble. You could be a lucky one. You will have Take heart, I have overcome the world. I give peace, I've overcome the world, but in the middle is this ever-present reality that guess what is not going away? That this world is full of trouble. It always has been, and it always is going to be. There's not going to come a time that we're going to say, you know what? We have just come together in such a way that we've chased out all of the troubles of this world. It's not going to happen right now. I would say it this way. You guys are really like quiet. The world has been, is, will be plagued by trouble. Can we just take that in and be reminded of that? There's not going to be a time when there are not very problematic issues in this world. As long as this world is fallen and sinful, it always is accompanied by trouble that affects the deserving and the undeserving. It's going to rain on the just and the unjust. A fallen world equals trouble every time. And Jesus is like, hey, just grab a hold of this. What the world you live in I'm not going to like all of a sudden create this perfect utopia for you. This bubble where you are going to just like avoid everything. You're not. And so for us, as we begin to think about the series I want to speak on, 
I want us to understand that we are living in and have always have, will, and will continue to live in a world that is troubled and is problematic. If you follow, if you track with Jesus, though, as he moves from John 16, he then begins to pray. It's John 17, this high priestly prayer, right? Wow, like I need to read that and reread that and I get the heart of God through Jesus. I see some things so clear. Like this prayer is just huge, John 17. And in that, he begins to continue this theme about the world that we live in. He begins to help us understand that what is our relationship as a Jesus follower What is our relationship with this world that's troubled and problematic? What do I do with that? How do I I deal with that? He says this, I have given them, them is the disciples and then us. I have given them your word and the word has hated them. Okay, so this world that's troubled and is always troubled and is problematic does not like the word of God, okay? It is not at in harmony with the word of God. And it's the world has hated the word of God, okay? Uh, I would remind you that John introduces his gospel in John chapter one and says this, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I'm introducing you to Jesus and I'm gonna actually call him the word of God. Why? Because I want you to always understand that Jesus and his word are one and the same. He is the living, breathing manifestation of what God has always written about, wanted, desired, and revealed. He is the complete revelation. So the purpose of this book is to do one thing, is to create in you and I the life of Jesus Christ. That's his purpose because Jesus was the breathing manifestation of this. And God gives the word to help us be molded and conformed into Christ's likeness. And guess what? The world doesn't really, it's not into that. In fact, it hates that. That's what Christ was saying. Listen, I've given you my word. I've lived the life. You've followed what I've taught. And the world's hating you. It's hating on you because of it. For they, the disciples, are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you would take them out of the world. You're thinking, wow, this is not going well. I'm hated for this. I just want to get out of here, right? Christ says, listen. My purpose, though, is not to just take you out of this world, but that, that you are protected from the evil one. They are not of this world, the disciples and us, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them. This idea is set apart. Sanctify them by the truth, the word of God. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world... I have sent them into the world. And so as a baseline, as we begin this series, and what I want hopefully us to think through this filter is my relationship with the world as a Jesus follower becomes this. I live in, yet I'm not of, but he sends me into. 
Live in, not of, sent into. I mean, Jesus just kind of rolls that out as he's praying. How am I, how am I supposed to live in this world that's full of trouble? You live in it. You don't run from it, escape. The whole idea of an early Christianity, monks and, I can't say that word, aesthetics. Do you know what I'm trying to say? People who just try to separate themselves from the world. Aesthetics. I can't say it. It's like, that's ridiculous. God never intended for you to look around and say, I'm in this world that's trouble and is hating on what God wants to do because it's all about its own self. And, and, and so I'm just going to run to the hills and I'm going to seclude myself away. That's never the mission of Jesus. We live in the world and yet we are not of the world. What? what? Our values... Our lifestyle, the rhythm of our life is not taken from the values, the systems, the philosophies of the world. I live with something else going on. I'm not captivated by the world's systems. There's a higher thing for me going on in my life. And as I live in, I'm not of, but actually what Christ wants to do is as I'm living in and being not of, I am the perfect candidate to go back into the world and to reveal to them the person, the mission, the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? So can you say that with me today? Live in, not of, sin into. Can we try that? There's a quiz later about that. $100 gift card for just anybody, no. So I'm, I live in, not of, sin into. That's the framework that Christ provides as he prays for us in our relationship with this world that's full of trouble. And in 2020, in the middle of a raging world, that just to be quite honest, it's uncertain in so many ways. It's always been this way. It's pushing on us a little bit right now out of our comfort zone, what we've grown used to. And yet the believer's position has always been I live in it, I'm not of it, I'm actually sent to it, though. Okay? This is what I would say. The position of in but not of provides the framework for bringing the kingdom of Jesus into a broken, desperate, and lost world. So, kind of set the scene, I hope, for you. Because... Jesus presents this reality for his believers, this tension in, not of. And guess what? Believers have always wrestled with how does this work? What does it look like? And so there's this church, one of the early churches in the area around, uh, in Ephesus that they live in this town, and if I described Ephesus to you, you would say that sounds like one of our cities in America. Quarter of a million people uh, called the light of Asia because it had so much culture, so much commerce, uh, variety of religions. I mean, it, it was it, basically it was significant economically, politically, and even religiously. It was a cultured, happening place. 
where there were new ideas, there was new teachings, cutting edge of the world. It was the melting pot. Ever heard that about any place? Has any place ever tried to identify that as themselves? We are the melting pot. We are the cutting edge. Right? This is the good old United States of America, right? Ephesus, believers living in Ephesus and believers living here would have a lot of sympathies. How do I figure this out? How do I live in but not be of this present world? And so God, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspires Paul to write this letter to them. If you were to read this letter, you see that he does an incredible job of describing our position in Christ. As a believer, this is your life now. I mean, if you read the first 14 verses of chapter 1, the first 10 verses of chapter 2, you are like, it's like Magna Carta kind of, wow, this is my new reality in Christ. Basically in that phrase, you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Kind of sums up what it means to now become a Christian, a person who is in Christ. And it runs through the book. He'll write about it and then he'll move to some of these themes we need to, to think about. And then he'll come back and reassure them and remind them. But remember who you are and what Christ has done and what that means and what your position is. And then he'll write some more about what it means to be in the world but not of the world. And then he'll come back, right? And so we're not going through the whole book in this four weeks. We're just going to assume that you know the position you have in Christ. And if you don't, then sit down in Ephesians and, and read that. Soak that in. But this is, you know, now that I know who I am in Christ, I know what he's done, I know what that means to be saved, redeemed, forgiven, called, sealed, all these things, right? Chapter 1. Chapter 2, God is rich in mercy and his great love. He has saved us for it is by grace that you've been saved through faith, not of works, uh, lest any man should boast. And on and on, you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, all this stuff. He then says, but I want to flesh this out for you a little bit so you can understand how that looks in the present world. And so every week, it's amazing how the scriptures written 2,000 years ago are always the most relevant voice ever. And guess what? Those Ephesians believers were wrestling with issues of racism. We're going to talk about that. They were dealing with issues of unity. Guess what? We're right in the middle of that. Seriously. And I'm just going to open my heart a little bit and reveal to you some of my concerns. Like, I can just see people getting upside down with one another based on how you've reacted to COVID. Drawing lines in the sand and starting to like look at one another with the side eye. Do you guys know what that is? Kind of like, yeah. I cannot believe. On both sides. 
And as your pastor, I'm sitting there thinking, in the name of the Lord Jesus, do not allow this to become an issue that fractures our body. And guess what? Same thing, Ephesians. They were like uh, these, these things that in a lot of ways are non-essentials. Like in essentials, unity, and non-essentials, charity, and all things, or in non-essentials, liberty, and all things, charity. He's writing, guys, endeavor to keep the spirit of unity. Endeavor, strive, run, give each other room to breathe, but stay together, be one. Because if there's one thing in Ephesians he does, is he's highlighting this beautiful vehicle of God called the church his people, and what it can do and what he does through the people of God for each one of us. We need each other to recognize and realize what God wants to do in our life. And he's like, you got to stay together. You can't get all fractured up about stuff. Let those things be non-essentials. Give each other room to breathe. Don't start treating each other poorly because of responses to stuff like this. Amen? Amen online? Can't get an amen out there. Come on. Seriously. And I, I just, for a pastor's heart, I'm like, listen, we just need to be reminded that in this world, there's trouble that we live in. We're not of, we're sent into this world. And part of that whole dynamic is God is using his church. And his church has to stay together, has to stay unified around the gospel and the mission of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so watch how this happens. One of the first things that needs to happen if we're going to live in, but be not of, and yet sent into a world full of trouble. It's in this prayer in Ephesians chapter one. The first thing I would, I would ask you is the results of the poll we did. Uh, do we have the results of the poll? Maybe not. Let me just ask you this. All right. What sense would you want to be the last to go? I would have mortgaged my house on this. I would have bet my house on this. You can have my mortgage. <laughs> right? I mean, this morning I was trying to be quiet. My wife was asleep. This is always the Sunday morning tension, all right? Because I get up super early. And my wife is like a light sleeper. And my wife is one of the, she's not here now. She was here first service. And then the, my wife is, is absolutely one of the most genuine, sweetest people you're ever going to meet. She is who she is. What you see is she is. There's only about one, a little space in her life where she can get pretty grumpy. And that's in the morning if you're trying to get ready and she's still sleeping. What? Like, that's nothing wrong. She's just unbelievable. But, like, I have learned to do my very best to, like, so I needed to iron this shirt. It was really wrinkled. I know some of you still laugh at me. I still iron stuff. 
And so I sneak into our bathroom. I get the ironing board out, put the iron in. I'm ironing, being very quiet, doors closed, fans on, you know, so you can't hear anything. And I go to, you know, get the board back, and I'm kind of scrunched up, and I've grabbed the iron, and I go to open the door, and my fingers inadvertently just place right on that hot iron. And then, like, yeah, I made some noise. I'm like, have you ever touched a hot iron? I mean, like five minutes off the plug iron or five seconds off the plug iron. And I can't feel anything in these fingers right now. And yet I'd take all the feeling out of my hands right now and sense of touch if I could keep my eyesight, right? I knew. We love to taste. We love to touch We love to smell. We love to hear. Most of the time we love to smell. (laughs) Just don't take away my sight. Right? I mean, just think about what happens when we lose our sight. When darkness comes. Even our familiar neighborhoods become a little bit dicey. Even our homes turn off the lights. Yeah. I mean... It just, it, 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 if I can't see, I become full of fear, anxiety, worry. I, I want to know. I want to see. I want to, right? Then you step on Legos in the dark. And you lose your sanctification. And you pray. And not really. Like in the dark, all that happens. Like in the light, I can go like, oh, okay. And then in the dark, you just set your, oh, have you ever done that? Even the littlest Legos, they just cause the most immense amount of pain because the dark, right? And so this is what Paul prays, and I think what I want us to grab a hold of first in encountering living in but being not of, yet sin into a world. Watch this prayer. I don't even know where I'm at now. For this reason... Ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you. Remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. How many of you just started singing, open the eyes of my heart, Lord? Right? There's, I'm praying, and I'm praying a lot. And right off the bat, the thing I need for you to grab a hold of, if you're going to understand your position in Christ and what that means to now live in a world but not be of it and yet sin into it, I'm praying that God would help you to have revelation, wisdom, and that he would open the eyes of your heart. Those are sight things. I'm praying that God would give you spiritual insight, spiritual sight. That's what he's praying for. Revelation is like this idea of blowing the lid off something, making something apparent that hasn't been. 
um, for these people, he's just been talking about their calling. And before the foundation of the world, God had a plan in place. He had a plan in place that he wanted to make people holy, that they are now sealed with the Holy Spirit. He is praying that, that the lid would be blown off about what these things are and how they matter and what your position is in Christ. And he's just praying that your eyes would be open to who you are and what God wants to do in you and how he wants to carry out his purposes in this world and what that means for you living in a troubled problematic world. He's praying for spiritual sight. It's revelation, it's wisdom. What do I do then with what I've seen? Right? And the eyes of my heart, like in our culture, we say, I love you with all my heart. Total feeling. Heart is emotion, right? Look at our Valentines, like heart and like love and heart. Right? Heart to them was not that. It was thinking. Heart or lovey feeling stuff was like intestines. That's cool. The bowels of my heart are moved. That's the old Hebrew. Try that. I love you with all my bowels. Give you a very bad thing. Heart was your mind, your person, your will. Open the eyes of my thinking, not how I feel. Don't make me feel better, God. Give me insight into how I'm supposed to think to be able to navigate who I am. What I would say is as he finishes this prayer, he says, I pray that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Man, hope, biblical hope is not wanting something to happen. It's waiting on something to happen, right? We have hope in our culture, like I hope this happens. Not a biblical idea. The English does a poor job with the word hope in scripture. Hope in scripture is a fixed certainty. It's going to happen. It just hasn't happened yet. Right? I want you to know the hope, this fixed certainty to which he has called you. This calling, he tells them later, to walk worthy of the calling. This calling is, guess what? It is now what I want to do in your life, and it is not yet in the eternal perspective as the called elect people of God. You get to enjoy and realize the eternal significance. of it. It's a both and, and you can know the fixed certainty to what he is wanting to do in your life. You need to understand the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people. I don't want to spend a lot of time there because I've really been jazzing on this. Because there's a whole thing where I actually believe that we are the glorious inheritance of God. Like, he has everything in the world. The thing he wanted most was his creation to love him. That was his inheritance. I don't need worlds and planets and things. I already have all that. They're mine. The thing I want is for you to love me. And those who have loved me, they became my inheritance. That's what I want most. Anyway, back to, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. So I'm praying that you would fixate on what is true of you in Christ. 
I want you to notice what Paul does not pray for. Paul does not pray for physical health or financial wealth. He prays for spiritual sight. Think about your prayers this week. Have you been praying for physical health and financial wealth? And you've not prayed for spiritual sight. God desires more than anything for us to pray that he would be able to continue to open the eyes of our heart so he can reveal to us and cause us to then live wisely in knowing our position in Christ and how that calls for us to react and respond in a troubled, problematic world. Have you been praying for spiritual sight? God, help me to see what you see. Help me to be anchored to your word. Help me to live as there's mixed messages and signals in this world. And there's, they're saying this, and I should do this, and you should think about that, and you should be worried about that, and all these things. Am I able to fixate on the hope of my calling and the riches of the glorious inheritance God has in his holy people and his exceeding great power that he has put in my life through the person of the Holy Spirit? Am I able to fixate on that? Do I have spiritual discernment that causes me not to get caught up in the latest wave of this or this or I need to do this or you have to act that way that preys on the world's values and systems but instead be fixated in the middle of all that on who I am in Christ and what that means for my life and how he wants to accomplish his purpose in me. And that because I'm fixated on that, I am not tossed to and fro by this world. It's a roller coaster out there, man. Seriously. I'm supposed to believe this. Now I'm supposed to believe this. Now I'm supposed to believe this. Now I'm supposed to believe this. I can't keep up. And now I'm uncertain and I'm fearful and I'm worried. God's saying all along, just, just pray for the discernment that I give that keeps you fixated on the hope of your calling, the riches of your inheritance and the great power that I have in you. Are you with me today? Yeah, a few of you. Spiritual sight brings discernment. And this is what I just want to continue to say to you. The world thrives. And again, you might think I live in a house with tin foil on the walls. And when I leave this place, I have a tinfoil hat, okay? Because I'm, you know, the whole thing, like the government's like invading your mind, your brain. And... But I will tell you this, the world thrives on hidden agendas, distortions of truth, and misplaced values. Its fuel is power, control, and a belief that this is all there is so you need to place all your eggs in this basket. Are you able to discern between what the world values and then prioritizes and pushes you to value and prioritize and then 
always consequently creates a pattern, a cycle, a lifestyle of stress, worry. And it frames your whole life. Because that's what the world's wanting to do. Always, always. Broken, fallen world is trouble because it's a power play. It's a power grab. It's a control struggle. It's, can I navigate through that by having the eyes of my heart open and having the revelation and wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God keeping me fixated on the truth of God? And as we begin to talk about living in, not of, sent into it calls for us to keep a prayerful mindset where I'm always asking myself and praying, God, give me discernment to see what you see. Does this fit the narrative of your word, of your story, of your truth? If it is not what you're saying in your word, then I am not going to follow after that. So immediately before we jump into how I understand race and how I understand unity, how this plays out in a troubled, problematic world and how I live in, not of, sin into, I should always, you and I should be praying every day, God, give me spiritual sight. And if I'm not praying, God, give me spiritual sight, I am absolutely going to be vulnerable to the messages and the values that this world is promoting and trying to get me to follow after. I lose my sense of discernment. And then I'm chasing it. Everywhere and anywhere. Right? But if I'm fixated on the truth of God, that gives me the ability to live in, but not of, and sent in to. Last thing I just want to share with you is, he says things like, I can find this. It's this power that God gives is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. And this Christ is far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the, also in the one to come. And God is placed under Christ's feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels everything in every way. This voice is that God actually has this power available to us. That in the middle of my need for discernment, my need for revelation and wisdom, and the need for my eyes, the eyes of my heart to be open, I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Do I try harder? Do I meditate more? Do I this or that? He's saying, listen, but I want to remind you that this power that I have, and it's in a passive voice, it means something else is acting upon you. You don't have the power of revelation and wisdom. You don't have the power to open the eyes of your own heart. That this power is being, uh, being played upon you 
And it's the person of the Holy Spirit in your life already. It's why Christ said in John 14, he said, and the Holy Spirit will be in your life and he will guide you into all truth. And so you and I, if we're like, okay, I need to navigate through how to understand being a Christ follower in this world. I need the eyes of my heart to be opened. I need revelation and wisdom. Guess what? It comes from the spirit that's always inside of you, that's in you. That if you'll open your heart to him, he will reveal, he will show, he will give discernment. It's often like some of you, like, have you ever had like a grandparent, someone who's not very into technology? Some of you are grandparents are very into technology, so I'm not trying to offend you. But like you've given them a gift. We've done this before. We've given them a cool electronic, like an iPad or an iPhone and And to them, they don't really realize all that that can do. And it's common for them to just kind of put the iPad on the shelf and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. And you like show up and you're like, hey, how you like that iPad? Yeah, I really haven't. I don't know. I don't understand it. And then you open it up. And then you go in to show them. Hey, you know, if you if you go to this app, like all your grandkids pictures can just be there for you to look at. Or if you do this, you can, right? And all of a sudden their minds are just like. And like that thing that's been sitting on the shelf for months because they don't really understand it. They don't know the power that exists in that. The technology that's available to them that would enhance their life in so many ways and so many cool things. Like God's reminding his children, hey, you know the spirit that is in you? If you'll just open your heart to him, he will open your heart in revelation and wisdom. And you'll be able to navigate, see how God wants you to live in, but not be a part of, and be on mission sent into this present world. What's amazing as he finishes that prayer, he reminds us the part of that truth that he's always wanting to instill is the reality that Christ is totally in control. He has all rule and authority. All authority is his. And actually as God's children, authority is with us now. And he tells us to remember that what God wants to do is in the fullness of what he wants to do, it involves his body, his church. He's the head and he brings us together to do his mission in this earth. And that's why we sang at the beginning of this service, why we're going to finish just singing the chorus, why we're going to sing next week. Because if you look at the book of Ephesians and one of the main ways to navigate through this world is to do it together as his church. That part of the powerful dynamic of how we get through living in, but being not of, but sent into this world is together as his body. Read Ephesians chapter four. And my prayer today is one of the things that we can right up front discern, have spiritual sight into is God wants to make us, keep us one in him. John 17, I read earlier, he finishes that prayer and his prayer is, I pray, Father, that they may be one as you and I are one. Keep them one. So what? That the world may know 
so that the world may believe. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. Part of what God is wanting to do in our lives to keep us in him and out of the world is to bring us together to support, encourage, and strengthen one another. So would you stand this morning as we sing this little chorus and just allow the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to your heart about how he wants you to live in the world. Thanks again for listening in today. And thanks to those who give so faithfully so that together we can continue to be the light of Christ in this generation as you sow into the life and mission here at NAPNAS. If you feel led to give or to learn more about NAPNAS, simply head to napnas.org. There, you'll find previous messages as well as everything going on in the life of the church. And if you found value in today's message, would you share this with a friend or on social? Because it is together that we exist to help people take their next steps in a transforming relationship with the Prince of Peace and King of Hope, Jesus Christ.